Good morning, children of God. You see, we follow a majesty. We follow a ruler. We follow the Almighty. Before we get started with this week's podcast, Failing Faith Week 3, I want to read to you from John 20, verses 24 to 31. John 20, verses 24 to 31. And it states, But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which were not written in this book but they are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God and though and that through believing you may have life in his name we give all praises to God we give all praises to the Holy Spirit and we give all praises to Christ Jesus without Christ Jesus our sins wouldn't be washed away this to this day without Christ Jesus we wouldn't be able to walk in salvation with God without Christ Jesus we wouldn't feel the presence of God when we worship and praise him every day You see, doubt can often bring shame. As one of Jesus' twelve disciples, Thomas, who was best known for not believing in the resurrection of Jesus, even after his friends swore by it, even though it's not in our Bibles, history handed him the nickname Doubting Thomas. It's proven to be pretty sticky over the centuries. As we can see, doubt often comes with a stigma. See, everyone believes 
anything significant or worthwhile about the meaning of life does so as a matter of faith. And once you realize this, doubt seems a very different matter. It's not a specifically Christian problem. It's a universal human problem. Growing through the uncertainties of faith and doubt is not skepticism. The the decision to doubt everything deliberately as a matter of principle, it's not unbelief. The decision not to have faith in God, unbelief is an act of will rather than a difficulty in understanding. See, while doubt is often frowned upon in many church cultures, it can actually be a catalyst to a renewed faith. You know, Jesus encourages us to bring our doubts to him. See, as the son of God who spent years telling his disciples that he would one day die and rise again, fails to say, I told you so. His reaction to Thomas' doubt fails to carry any condemnation. There's no humiliating nicknames or vicious indictment. Instead, Jesus looks at Thomas and says, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Rather than lashing forward in offense, Jesus gives Thomas the evidence he needs. Jesus tells Thomas to investigate. The original Greek word for place here literally means shove. Jesus has nothing to hide. We can bring our doubts to God, knowing he wants to guide us towards belief. You know, we may not be able to see Jesus, but we can find reassurance from those who did. While Jesus' response to Thomas in verse 29 is often interpreted as a condemnation of Thomas' doubt, the following verse offers more clarity. Jesus here is speaking about those who would not get to see him physically in this life, but they do not need to be discouraged. The apostles, and in this case John, can testify to the resurrection. We could interpret verse 29 like this, you have seen me and believe. Other people might not have the same luxury, but that doesn't mean they'll miss out. Think like this. Nick Houston, a professor of psychology at the University of Melbourne, Australia, recently published a paper where he introduced the notion of concept creep. Without getting lost in all the intricate, intricate details 
of Hassam's work, Concept Creep is essentially an analyst of our modern culture's ever-increased sensitivity to harm. It's here in this societal setting that doubt becomes an enemy. Doubt isn't comfortable. It fills with conflict and mystery. It might even hurt in a little. So instead, we shy away from it. We don't think doubt is worth it in the end. Nick Haslam Concept Creep Psychologists Expand Concepts of Harm and Pathology See, while we may be taught to shun anything that makes us feel uncomfortable, doubt, if approached correctly, can lead us towards a renewed sense of faith. When we struggle with doubt, we must work our way through it, beginning with studying those who claim to have seen and heard Jesus. Before I go, take this with you. Today will bring will you bring your doubts to Jesus? Will you use doubt as a catalyst for your faith or as an excuse to wallow in uncertainty? Bring your doubt to Jesus. His arms are wide open. Before we proceed on with part two of failing faith, I have a quick message for you. Remember always that you have a purpose in life. You wasn't put here for any for not doing anything. Because God has a purpose for all of us, and your purpose will come soon. Blessings on top of blessings. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. Stay tuned for part four, the final part of failing faith. May God bless you and keep you.